Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Added Time, a Games and Grab Studio podcast hosted by me, Steve Watkins, and I'm back after my week break. I was away on holiday with my family and with Sonny and his wife. Had a great time, really good laugh. But I'm back and I'm going to be back with a vengeance this week because it looks like we're going to be recording Games and Graps this week as well, our monthly gaming and wrestling podcast. But it's Games and Graps, so you never know, might get cancelled. But the plan is to do that this week. And then the added time podcasts are going to be coming thick and fast because the fixtures in the Premier League are also coming thick and fast. We have games this weekend coming up, the 27th and 28th of August. Then next week, we're straight into fixtures again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then straight into fixtures again on the Saturday, Sunday. So it's a really, really busy time for the Premier League. These fixtures are being crammed in, presumably due to the World Cup that is coming up in November. So more fixtures means more podcasts. So next week, look forward to getting two podcasts out of me for your listening pleasure. So as I say, I was away last week, but I was able to keep up with everything that was going on. I was obviously keeping an eye on results uh, the week before. I won't go through the week before's fixtures um, because uh, the results of the week before, at least anyway, uh, because, you know, it's been and gone and we've had another round of Premier League, fi- Premier League fixtures since then. Easier for me to say. So let's get straight into it. I'm going to go through the results from the weekend, give my thoughts uh, on anything that I did watch or didn't watch. Um, and then we will, we'll go from there. I'll talk about some transfers and then we'll preview this weekend's fixtures. Let's not do an overly long podcast. Today. You're going to have to listen to me quite a few times over the next couple of weeks anyway. So let's, let's not go into too much detail on stuff today. Let's just whiz through it and go from there. So, there were some surprise results over the weekend, some uh, definite coupon busters, as some people would say. So let's start with Spurs entertained Wolves at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs winning 1-0, Harry Kane with the goal. I managed to catch bits and pieces of this uh, game, I did, so I won't go into too much uh, detail about it because I can't give a, a great opinion on it. Uh, But obviously Spurs have had a wonderful start to the season. They picked up a draw the previous week against Chelsea, where actually I thought Chelsea were the much better team, but they picked up that draw. So that's seven points from the first three games for Spurs. Wolves are yet to pick up a win. They did get a draw at Fulham uh, the previous weekend. But, you know, there there is a little bit of uh, trouble at Molyneux with results not being great stretching back into the back end of last season so one to watch out therefore I think Bruno Larger could be under a little bit of pressure if results don't pick up soon next up Crystal Palace beat Villa 3-1 Villa took the lead really early on in this but Palace came back uh, winning Wilf Zaha with a couple of goals and Palace are going really good uh, I'm really impressed with him. I think Patrick Vieira has done a great job in there in, in the season and a bit that he's he's uh, been involved. And I do expect them to finish in the top half this season, uh, Crystal Palace. In terms of Aston Villa, there's a lot of Villa fans that are unhappy with the way that things are going under Gerrard. Uh, there's there's a, been a stat flying around that Gerrard's record at Villa is now worse than Gary Neville's 
record at Valencia, which I know is an odd comparison to make, but when you think about how vilified Gary Neville was about his time at Valencia and Gerard's not really uh, pulling up trees, it seems, if you go by, by the stats and the money that has been spent there. I said it in the first podcast, you know, Villa fans are going to be expecting uh, this season better. They're going to be expecting better than 14th. And so far, it's not happening. So we'll see. Uh, again, I'm not sure whether whether Gerard's going to be anywhere near sacked or whether the owners are going to keep trust with him. We shall see on that one. Everton drew 1-1 with Nottingham Forest. Uh, I believe Forest took the lead um, and then Everton. Uh, Everton got a goal with a couple of minutes to go. So, yeah, both goals came late on in this game. Uh, both of them, the, sorry, the 81st minute by far from Forest and the 88th minute from Everton. So Everton, again, you know, they're, they're picking up results like this, but they really need that focal point. And uh, there's some, some fairly big transfer news coming out of Goodison, which I'll go into in a little bit. Forest, you know, they're doing what they can. They're spending, they're spending like crazy. They've, they've spent 44 and a half million on Morgan Gibbs White, which just seems like crazy, crazy money to me. But it's a player that Steve Cooper has identified, a player that he's worked with, and he clearly trusts him. And you never know, this could be the making of him. But we shall see. At Craven Cottage, a thrilling game, 3-2, Fulham 1 against Brentford. Again, Brentford having to go two goals down before they decided to wake up. Unlike the previous week where they did annihilate Manchester United 4-0, a result I did not see coming. It was 4-0 at half-time, as you all know. Since then, a lot has happened at Old Trafford. But let's go back to this game. Uh, a great win for Fulham. Mitrovic with the winner in injury time. Ivan Tony had a goal disallowed for a marginal, marginal VAR decision, which, you know, I, I do think that VAR has its positives. It can clear up some really, you know, obvious, you know, things that are clear and obvious in terms of an error. But I, I, we don't, you start to lose the spirit of the game a little bit for me. I, I don't think it sh the football should not be under, oh, it shouldn't be under the microscope that it's under in terms of was that person's shoulder slightly ahead of the defender? Look, you know, yeah, like I say, VAR does have its, do, I, think it, I think it does have its place when you look at the Newcastle goal that got disallowed at the weekend, which. Sorry, it was initially given as offside, but then uh, VAR cleared it up and it wasn't. It's great for stuff like that, but other stuff, it just feels a little bit too picky. But a great win for Fulham there. And on to the result at the King Power Stadium. So as I mentioned, I wasn't there. I was on holiday. Uh, I wasn't listening to the game or anything. Leicester losing 2-1 to Southampton after being in front 1-0. And then Leicester-born Che Adams comes on uh, off the bench, scores two goals. The second goal was fantastic. Really, really good. Great ball in from Ward-Prowse. Great scissor, scissor kick volley. Uh, and he could have had a hat-trick. He hit the post in the, in the final minutes as well. So booze ringing around the King Power Stadium at full time. Sunday night. 
there was a lot of talk on social media that Brendan Rodgers had indeed been sacked and there was going to be an announcement the following day. I think that was just a rumour that got out of hand, but Rodgers out was trending on Twitter. At the time of recording, uh, on Tuesday the 23rd of August, um, Brendan Rodgers is still the Leicester manager and Leicester played tonight in the Carabao Cup away at Stockport County. So Brendan Rodgers is still the manager, but uh, I don't, I don't really don't know what's going to happen. Something has got to change quick. It really, really does feel like Leicester are sleepwalking into a relegation battle. Still no new signings, no replacement for Casper Michael. Players wanting away. Wesley Fofana not picked in the squad at the weekend because he wasn't in the right frame of mind. Uh, There was also reports that Yuri Tillemans was left on the bench because he wasn't in the right frame of mind. But what I heard in Brendan Rodgers' pre-match interview was that Tillemans had been left out due to a a change of system. So I, I think there's a little bit of misquoting going on there. But... You know, something has got to change. That's that's two games at home now. Leicester have, have dropped points from winning positions. You know, in a, in a in an alternate universe, Leicester would have six points by now and be somewhere around fifth or sixth. I know it's early days. Instead, they find themselves in the bottom three and some really, really tricky fixtures coming up. Um, it's gotten to that point now, especially with me, where I look at it and I don't see where the next win comes from this side of the, of the international break. So... Stockport County tonight in the cup. I mean, you, you. I would hope that Leicester would win, but I just do not know. I wouldn't care to predict. Well, I think I just have made a little bit of a prediction there. Uh, then it's Chelsea away on Saturday. Then next Thursday, Manchester United at home, which now all of a sudden just looks like a more difficult game. Followed by Brighton away, who are absolutely flying at the moment. Followed by Aston Villa at home. And then Tottenham away. It is not beyond the realms of possibility that Leicester, by the end of that Tottenham game, Leicester have one point. But maybe that's just me being uh, a pessimistic Leicester City fan. So, interesting times. I, I mean, I, I I don't know what the future holds for Brendan Rodgers. I mean, odds, odds were so short on him being the first manager sacked on Sunday that some betting sites had suspended betting it looked like it was going to happen so but he's still in charge for now I would imagine a defeat tonight against Stockport and he could well be gone could well be gone but it it will cost the owners a lot of money to replace Rogers well to, to sack him and then to replace him because of the huge huge contract that he was awarded uh, a couple of years ago, which makes him somewhere around the the fifth, fourth or fifth highest paid manager in the league, and some of his decision making doesn't show that at the moment. But the players have got to bear some responsibility as well. So, anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm talking too much against uh, about Leicester again. I'm sorry, but a great win for Southampton. So you know, but everyone, a lot of people have tipped Southampton to go down, but. You know, there's a long way to go. You know, One result against Leicester doesn't mean that they're going to stay up, nor does it mean that Leicester are going to go down. But there we go. And then the, the talk of the town, Arsenal beat Bournemouth 3-0 uh, to put them 
Top of the league on nine points. Three games, three wins, and they are going they're going really well. Odegaard with a couple of goals. Lovely goal from Saliba as well, who now has the most annoying chant in the league. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Right then, on to Sunday and Couple of, uh, well, a shock result, let's be honest. A shock result here. Leeds hammered Chelsea 3-0. This is a game that I did watch. I was back from a holiday by this point and I, and I made a conscious effort to sit and actually watch the games on Sunday. And I thought Leeds were absolutely fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from them. I don't want to talk too much about how poor Chelsea were. And they were. They, they missed Kante for me. Uh, and defensively, they looked a little bit all over the place. But Leeds were absolutely fantastic. Harrison was was great. The Harrison, the midfielder, looks look, looks a player. Really busy, really energetic. And Chelsea just could not cope with the press uh, that Leeds were putting on. It was it, it was the Leeds we have come to know a little bit. You know, with with the high press that they did under Bielsa. Um, but they were able to keep the goals out at the other end as well. But it was, it, it was a fairly easy day's work actually for for Leeds uh, defensively. You know, Chelsea had a couple of attacks and they had a goal ruled out for offside. But other than that, you know, not great um, from Chelsea. Koulibaly sent off as well, so a big learning curve for him. Uh, it looks like Chelsea are still looking for reinforcements as well, which again, I'll, I'll come on to it, links into the Everton transfer that I, I spoke about a moment ago. So yeah, a great result for Leeds and they currently find themselves again on seven points, uh, flying high in the Premier League. West Ham are now the only team in the Premier League at least, it may even be in all four divisions of English football or top professional football, uh, West Ham are the only team not to score a goal this season. They lost 2-0 at home to high-flying Brighton. Yeah, Brighton are going really, really well uh, with that opening win, obviously, against Manchester United uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, they're flying high. Um, I think I've... Did, did I, yeah, I did mention that Leicester have got to play Brighton. Uh, that's away as well, so... Yeah, not looking forward to that one. Brighton doing really, really well. And a lot of clubs uh, that are kind of looking at their manager, the fans especially uh, of Leicester, Aston Villa and even Chelsea, which I don't know. I think there's a there's a generation of Chelsea fans who are just used to this Hiram and Firem mentality that they had under Abramovich. I have seen a few Chelsea fans on Twitter saying that they would like to see Graham Potter at their club, I've seen Villa fans say the same, and I've seen Leicester fans also see the same. Uh, see the same. Say the same. Uh, I'll keep that in. I can't be asked to edit it out. So, Brighton doing really well. Can they keep hold of their manager? I imagine they would do. He seems like a fairly loyal guy to me. And then the final game on the Sunday was an absolute barnstormer of a game. Newcastle versus Man City. Some people calling this the Oil Classico uh, for obvious reasons. Man City took a really early lead and then Newcastle, but Newcastle were brilliant. You know, Almiron scored, Callum Wilson with a fantastic goal and then in the second half, Kieran Trippier scored a wonderful, wonderful free kick. And at 3-1, it looked like game over 
But then in hindsight, I kind of think to myself, they made that 3-1. That, that 3-1 was too early. There, were, there was plenty of time still for Man City to get back into it. We know what Man City can do. They've got the quality. They've done it before. They did it on the last game of the season to win the title. They came back. So Kieran Trippier scored on the 54th minute to make it 3-1. Haaland scores on 61. Bernardo Silva on 64. And it finishes 3-3. What a game. What brilliant game of football. Really good. I thought I thought St. Maximum was was amazing. Kyle Walker, who, you know, I do think is a fine defender. He just did not know how to deal with him at all. Uh, and I thought Nick Pope had a really, really good game in goal as well. He he did keep Newcastle in it. He made some really vital saves as well. So yeah, a well deserved draw. You know, you can go three one up against you can go three nil up against Man City with with ten minutes to go. You're not guaranteed to win the game. So you know, I don't think Newcastle fans should should be disappointed. You know, you can be disappointed at losing or, or dropping points from a winning position, but when it's when it's Man City that you can kind of forgive the team a bit. And what you saw from Newcastle was was effort. You know, people that have bought into whatever you know, players that have bought into whatever Eddie Howe is wanting them to do. The fans are behind them now because of the new ownership. So, you know, credit to Newcastle, they'll keep going. But Man City, you know, they've they've dropped points um for the first time this season. But I imagine that they will still be in the top two come the end of the season. And then the big game last night, Manchester United versus Liverpool. And wow, Manchester United, who pre the previous week, as I mentioned, had been annihilated 4-0 by Brentford. A week where the players have come under scrutiny, the owners have certainly come under scrutiny. United responded last night by dominating Liverpool, who do have injuries, but... I don't think that is any excuse, really, for how they played last night. I thought defensively they were really, really poor. But United were pressing. They were energetic. They were at it. It's one of the best games I've seen from Bruno Fernandes for a long time. Harry Maguire was dropped to the bench. Uh, Martinez and or Martinez, however you pronounce it, and Varane were at centre-back. And this was a game that I thought, even pre-match, I thought this will suit Martinez because... The previous two weeks when United played Bright, Brighton and Brentford, he was targeted because he's not the tallest. I believe he's five foot nine. And for a centre-back, that is very small. And they targeted him. But Liverpool were never going to do that. Liverpool were going to play the way that they play. And what you saw from Martinez was his ability to read the game, put the tackles in, put the blocks in where needed, you know, decent range of passing as well. So that sort of game suited him. What what will what will be the test now for for Martinez or Martinez will be, you know, how can he cope when some of the lesser teams think right? Let's let's put the ball on him and see how he copes with it in the air against our six foot three striker. Um, so yeah, Harry. Mc but but I'm um, you know let's not take nothing away from you. He was excellent last night. As I say, Fernandez was great. Great goal from Sancho. Really, really ice-cold finish. Brilliant. And Rashford looked like the player that we've, we've we've come to know in those first couple of years that he was in United's first team. He was he was bang on it and bang up for it last night. 
And someone who really impressed me when they came on, and I'd been told that in pre-season he was doing really well, uh, I thought Anthony Martial looked like a, a different player. Uh, he came on uh, in the second half because he has been injured. He came on and, um, yeah, I thought he did really, really well. Uh, but Salah got the Liverpool goal. But, and, and, yeah, they had chances and there was a little bit of a siege mentality in the last sort of 10 minutes, which you would expect given the, the quality in this Liverpool side. But Manchester United running out of winners. And is this going to kickstart their season? We've seen it before with United where they can pull out a result like this. They can go away to the Etihad and win and then the following week draw at home and be poor and whatnot. So we'll wait and see. Uh, but there's 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 going to be players coming in at United as well, which I'll, I'll talk about shortly. So that was the weekend's results. As I say, some surprises in there. Uh, for me, you know, obviously United beating Liverpool. Some people very disrespectfully were saying that United would get beat 4 or 5 nil. I, I didn't think that. Uh, I did think Liverpool would win. And then on the day I changed my mind and I did have a, a little, well, uh, it was a free bet. I had a bet on uh, the draw. Bet responsibly, guys and girls. Um, and obviously Leeds, another, another surprise result, but well-deserved as well. Right then, let's move on to transfers and transfer talk and rumours and things that have happened. And the biggest one that came out of seemingly nowhere uh, was Casemiro to Manchester United. So I was away with, with Sonny last week, as previously mentioned, and you know he said, oh, there's talk on Twitter that Casemiro is going to United. I was, we both said, nah, that won't happen. And within about 48 hours, he was pretty much a Manchester United player. And he was saying his farewell, or he's having his medical at uh, United. And he is now officially a Manchester United player. He wasn't available for last night, even though he said himself, if it was up to him, he would have played. A lot of people have talked about the, the age of the player. And there's been a lot of talk about the transfer fee and the wages. So, to basically sum it up, the guy's 30 years old. He has been given a four-year contract with an option for a year's extension. And he's going to be paid somewhere in the region of 375 grand a week, which puts him, if you believe the reports, it puts him on par with David De Gea as the second highest paid at the club behind Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, my initial reaction was it, you know, Casemiro is a player that when I have watched Real Madrid play, usually in the Champions League, that he's a solid player. You know, he, he is in a uh, in a great midfield, him, Modric and Tony Cruz. Brilliant midfield. He's surrounded by great players. And what has been levelled at, uh, at Casemiro by some is that he isn't that good. He's just always been surrounded by good players. And yes, he may have won five Champions League, but Champions Leagues, but he's always been surrounded by good players. And then there's the other side, there's the other argument as well that says, well, you know, even at 30, if Real Madrid are willing to let him go, they can't, you know, that they how good is he really? But with Real Madrid, they've obviously got Camavinga. As well, and they've bought another midfield, another young midfielder as well, whose name I can't remember. But so, you know, eventually Casemiro is going to have to move on, and 
for him, it seems like an, it's it's a new challenge for him. And he is going to get a challenge coming to the Premier League and he is going to get a challenge being part of this current Manchester United squad, which I do still believe has, has an abundance of talent and I think they've got uh, a good manager as well. I've, I've, I was listening to Graham Sooner said he's not a great player. He's a good player. He doesn't have a good range of passing and various other things. You know, he's not got any pace or anything like this. Now, immediately for me, Casemiro will make Manchester United stronger in the midfield. He has a decent relationship with Fred for Brazil. Uh, they don't concede many goals or they don't lose many games when those two play together in midfield. It's worth mentioning, though, that obviously Brazil have an unbelievable forward line at the moment as well. So winning games for Brazil is potentially not that difficult unless you're you're playing, you know, one of the uh, one of the bigger South American teams. So yeah, I don't I don't agree with I don't agree with what Graham Sooner said in all, in, in in all honesty. Um, is the age a factor? Potentially. But then Fernandinho was one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, well into his 30s. Again, surrounded by great players. And what's to say that in a couple of years' time when Casemiro is then, you know, 31, 32, getting up to 33, that United don't get, the, you know, if United get their act together and start buying the right players that he isn't surrounded once again by great midfielders. And if he's got this good relationship with Fred, that's a bonus. And if Bruno Fernandes can put in more performances like he did last night, he's surrounded by a great player there. So, you know, we're not... People have been talking about him going from a world-class midfield, as like in, in Real Madrid, you know, alongside Cruz and Modric, to him then going to Manchester United and people are talking like he's just moved to the dog and duck. You know, there's there's some there's still some great players at United. Let's not let's not get that twisted. And okay, he might not have a great range of passing. But is that his job? Isn't that what Bruno's there for? You know? Ericsson, that's their job, isn't it? He's there to solidify that midfield, Casemiro, and I think that is what he will do. Now, in terms of the price tag, look, it is what it is. And I think given that, although United are going to go back with one more effort in terms of getting De Jong, you know, it, it does look like they've kind of gone, look, I don't think we're going to get De Jong. Let's, get, let's go and get Casemiro. Okay? And let's see if we can get him. And let's see if the player's interested. Now... When people say, oh, he's only there for the money, that might be true. That might well be true. But he wants, but the fact that he's willing to go, you know, I, I don't believe for one second that Ancelotti would have wanted him to go, but the, if the player has gone there, gone to the manager and said, I've had eight, nine wonderful years here, I want a new challenge, I want to go to United. I mean, let's 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 not get it wrong. You know, Real Madrid weren't exactly paying him 50 grand a week, were they? So you know, if it was really about the money, he could have just negotiated a better contract at Real Madrid. But it seems like he wanted the challenge, and fair play to him. Uh, I, I did, I, I did like some, like is probably the wrong word. There was an, 
some of the stuff that Gary Neville was saying about the transfer itself, I can see why he said it. So effectively what he was saying was that what you've got in Casemiro is a midfielder that is getting older, not getting younger, and he's soon going to be the wrong side of 30 on huge, huge money. And there is potential that in a couple of years' time, when he's older, that he may decline in terms of his ability and being able to keep up with the pace of the Premier League. Um, and whoever the manager might be, whether it be Ten Hag, whether it be a different manager, who knows, they're going to be stuck with a player on a long contract on big money that they just cannot get rid of because of how much money he's on. And that could be a problem at United. And then obviously he's on a lot more money than some of your other 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 players and you know what's to stop them saying, well, you're paying this guy this much, why aren't you paying me? So the word panic buy has been, or the words panic buy have been banded around. I don't know if it's necessarily a panic buy. I, I, I do think it's a clever signing. I don't think it's a signing. I, it's a signing for now. It's what United need now. An experienced defensive midfielder, a winner, and he fits the bill perfectly. And if they've had to pay 60 million or 50 plus 10, whatever it is, plus 375 grand a week, which over five years is, is an extortionate amount of money. If they've had to do that to ensure that they can get at least a top four finish over the next two seasons whilst they really rebuild and then start to push for the title, it might be seen as money spe well spent. So for me, Casemiro, good signing. Uh, look forward to seeing him. I imagine I will see him when Leicester take on United at the King Power Stadium on the 1st of September. Um, I'm not looking forward to that fixture now, that must be said. So for me, Casemiro, thumbs up. I think it's a bit be a good signing. And look, it's not my money. Well, it certainly ain't my money. I don't put any money into that club. It's not your money in reality. You know, what does it matter to you? As long as he puts the performances in, doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I remember people kicking off when uh, when Man City bought Sterling for 50 million. He paid them back, hasn't didn't he? So anyway, a couple more little bits of uh, transfer news that have, have happened pretty much today, really, uh, that I'll go through and then we'll talk about very quickly this weekend's fixtures and what I think the results will be. So today Leicester have reportedly rejected a third bid from Chelsea for Wesley Fofana, believed to be in the region of 70 million plus add-ons. Leicester have rejected it. The stance is very clear from the club that he is not for sale. But let's face it, he is probably for sale, but it has to be the right amount of money. And it's not just about the fact that Leicester want 90 million. They will probably want some of it guaranteed up front. You know, it's no good to Leicester if they are being paid 90 million over five years. That's 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 no good. That's no good to Leicester at the moment. They probably want a huge, huge chunk of that up front before they'll consider letting the player go. In my honest opinion, he will go. Uh, he's not been picked tonight for the cup game. Obviously, the team's 
the teams were team lineup was announced uh, just under an hour ago at time of recording. Uh, he's not playing tonight. He certainly won't play on Saturday as Leicester are playing Chelsea. So I can't imagine for one second he will be playing. He won't even travel with the squad. I wouldn't have thought. Uh, but I do. I do think he will eventually move because Chelsea don't seem to really care how much they spend at the moment, and that is evident with uh, the other transfer news that's come out today, this afternoon, that a bid of around £60 million for Everton's Anthony Gordon is going to be accepted and that Anthony Gordon wants to go to Chelsea and he will be a Chelsea player uh, very very soon. Now, you know, I've said that Morgan Gibbs-White at 40... Well, the Gibbs-White deal, I think, is £25 million plus a load of add-ons, which comes to about 45 Um we don't know what these add-ons are. Some of them might be, you know, Wolves get 10 million once he makes 15 England appearances. Well, if he never makes 15 England appearances, they never see that money, do they? Uh, it's a bit like Martial. You know, if, if he ever wins the Ballon d'Or, I think I think uh, United have to give Monaco about 15 million quid. But, you know. So, 60 million for Anthony Gordon seems like a hell of a lot for a guy who I believe is very talented. He looks very energetic. He looks like he, he gives it all. But it's a big, big gamble by Chelsea to pay £60 million for someone that was, you know, very good last season in the poor Everton team. I think he scored four goals. I, be, I believe there's, a, there's a, a silly stat out there that he's got more yellow cards than he has goals. So it's a lot of money. But Chelsea aren't... With this new owner, they don't seem to be too bothered by the high high uh, transfer fees that that are being demanded for players that they want. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like the ninety million pound price tag for Fofana is putting them off, uh, and it doesn't seem like obviously that this this uh, amount of money that that Everton want for Gordon is putting them off either. I mean, they paid they paid massively over the odds for Kukurea, in my opinion. Good player, really good player, but left back, 62.5 million, crazy. Look, Anthony Gordon could end up being a Chelsea legend that's there for another 10, 12 years, wins the league, wins the Champions League and scores a shed load of goals and he's held in the same regard as Lampard and Drogba and Terry, but... You know, it's a lot of money, and and for me, Everton, Everton should snap their hand off. I I heard earlier that uh, one Everton fan say they were they were mad to turn down the the forty five million pound that was offered a couple of weeks ago. They held out. Chelsea have come back with sixty, and I, I just think Everton need to need to take it. Uh, when you when you consider that Richarlison went for fifty. Uh, and given the choice, I think Everton fans would, would rather have Richarlison over over Gordon. So um, I, I I can't see why that deal won't go through now. So Chelsea splashing the cash still. Um, another one, so Ishmael Assar looked like he was going to be going to Villa. And then as soon as that news came out, it was pretty much, no, they've pulled out of the deal. Uh, but Watford... Look like they're going to lose another player in Jao Pedro. A bid has come in from Newcastle for him. 
if he doesn't go there, Everton may go for him as a replacement for Anthony Gordon, I guess. And at the time of recording, which I've said a lot today, still no bids for Yuri Tillemans, who is playing right now as we speak, or as I speak. I've probably missed a load of transfer transfer stuff there, um, but you know they're the ones that really stuck out on me. Again, I know a couple of them are to are to do with my club, but you know when when Chelsea are bidding seventy million plus add-ons for a twenty-one-year-old defender who I do believe is is fantastic, uh, it's it's got to be talked about, hasn't it? Okay, I said this wasn't going to be an overly long podcast, but I'm aware that I'm at uh, about 30-odd minutes now. So let's quickly go through this weekend's fixtures, match week four, game week four, whatever you want to call it. In the Premier League, Saturday lunchtime, Southampton and Man United, both teams coming off the back of wins uh, for last week's fixtures. United need to continue with what they were doing last night. And the way that they played and they need to set set the bar, you know, raise the bar again and go and beat Southampton, make it convincing and people might start to sit up and, and think, okay, you know, they were poor the first couple of games, but, you know, this guy's got, got them playing. Excuse me. Um, so I'm going to go for a Manchester United win there on that one. Brentford versus Everton. Interesting game. I think Brentford are actually... For me, Brentford are probably favourites in this one. What Brentford need to stop doing is is conceding uh, early on and conceding a couple of goals before they wake up. And they need to build on how they performed against United. So I'm going to go for a Brentford win there, which will pile a little bit more pressure onto Frank Lampard at Everton. Brighton leads. Both teams absolutely flying at the moment. Leeds are in third. I know it's only three games, but Leeds are third. Brighton are fifth. It's a Champions League decider, ladies and gentlemen. Brighton-Leeds. Good. This, this could be a really good fixture. I think this will be a draw. I'm going for a score draw on that one. Chelsea versus Leicester. Uh, I've already spoke about what my feelings are at the moment with regards to Leicester. For me, this is a clear-cut Chelsea win. I hope I am very, very wrong. Chelsea were really poor last weekend. Really, really poor. But then the previous week against Tottenham, they were brilliant. So, oh, yeah, no, no. It's, um, it's a Chelsea win. It's a Chelsea win for me. Liverpool against Bournemouth. So one of the things I didn't mention when I was talking about the Liverpool-United game, or the United-Liverpool game, sorry, was that Liverpool, this is their worst start to a Premier League season since the first year, 92-93. So they've picked up two points from their first two games. I know they've got a lot of injuries and a couple of suspensions. However, I do think that this will be a convincing win against Bournemouth, who, I tell you what, they have had some horrid, horrid fixtures to start this season. Oh, that's really, really, really unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, they've already played Arsenal and Man City and now they've got Liverpool. That's unfair, isn't it? That's really unfair in your first four games. But there we go. So Liverpool win there. On that one, they'll get back on track. Man City, Crystal Palace... This is a game that could go, you know, when I always look at City versus Palace, 
it's either going to be Palace will win 1 0 or City will win 6 0. I don't think City will win 6 0, but I do think they'll win. I think they'll continue to, uh, to go unbeaten. And then Arsenal, the. Ch- <laughs> The uh, I was gonna say uh, the champions elect then, but uh, no, I won't be. I won't be that sarcastic. But they're doing great. They really are doing great. They're, they're ticking really nicely, and if they get a couple more signings before the window, they could. Uh, it could be quite interesting. They've had some favourable fixtures, you know. Let's not get that twisted in their in their opening, in their opening five games. They've had some very favourable fixtures. Although you know, Palace away is not easy and. You know, but they've got Fulham at home, 5.30 on the Saturday. And I believe that they'll continue their great run and go four and beaten. And yeah, they're going to win the league by 40 points. Um, Sunday, we have Aston Villa versus West Ham. So Gerrard under pressure, as I mentioned. West Ham yet to pick up a win, yet to score a goal. Something's got to give here. Um, and I am, I'm actually going to go for an Aston Villa win on this one, which that won't be good for West Ham. Bottom of the league after four games with no points, if that was to happen. Talking of a team struggling, the uh, another team in the West Midlands, Wolves are at home to Newcastle. So Newcastle, are, you know, if you, if you go back to um, last season as well, well, if you go from the point that Eddie Howe took over, the form guide for, for 2022, Newcastle are right up there. Uh, amongst the top four or five teams. They've been excellent since Eddie Howe came in. I think they'll keep that going. I think they'll beat Wolves. And that will... Bit of, bit of pressure will start to show on uh, on Bruno Large there. And then Nottingham Forest against Spurs. You know what? For me, this is this is a tricky one for, for Forest. I'm sorry. It's a tricky one for Spurs, in my opinion. Uh, Forest, you know, the fans are going to be well up for it. You know, 23 years since they've been in the Premier League and they seem to be enjoying life so far. You know, I think the cl- the crowd will be electric. I think for me, what Spurs do have is, is a squad of great players, world-class players and a world-class manager. So I'm, I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a narrow, narrow. Bloody hell, that was a, that was a bit of a, a Leicester accent slip there. Narrow. I'm going to go for a narrow... Spurs win on that one. Um, so yeah, so that takes you up to 4.30 on Sunday. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a load of fixtures next week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, there's a load of fixtures. And then randomly, Leicester are playing United on Thursday, the 1st of September, which I believe is the day that the transfer window closes. So that'll be interesting. And then straight away, Saturday, the 3rd of September, the Merseyside Derby. Everton versus Liverpool. So yeah, the fixtures are coming thick and fast, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. So that's it from me for this week for episode four of Added Time. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check out everything else that Games and Grab Studio is doing at the moment. As I said, hopefully this month's uh, Games and Grabs podcast will be out. Finn is continuing to do his streaming over on Twitch. Uh, which is twitch.tv forward slash the fin steel with an e on the end uh, and sunny will hopefully be recording another episode of the clubhouse this week uh, go check him out on all the socials search for sunny club sunny g you'll find him he's everywhere everywhere 
Thank you very much for listening. It's greatly appreciated. I've been Steve and I will speak to you next time. Goodbye for now.